0: This week on the Habs form, the Montreal Canadiens are not playing games uh, for some reason. So it's been five days since the last game, but we still have some games to talk about since our last podcast. So talk about a very exciting 3 nothing loss against Edmonton uh, that I honestly barely remember any about. But then they won 2-1 against the Leafs. Always nice to beat the Leafs, even though it almost didn't happen. So we'll touch on that on the games coming up. And there's been a lot with this week off. There's been a lot of, of quotes from, from both players. Tatar, who got scratched, had, had a lot to say. Bergeron had that press conference, a lot of interesting stuff to come out uh, of that conference. And Drouin also going to talk about all of that. And uh, the Rocket started playing, had a couple of really strong games. Bit, bit of a worse third game, but overall, been looking not too bad uh in uh in Laval. so as always we love talking about the rocket on this podcast so we'll cover that too but first dustin tell us who our sponsor is
1: the habs forum is brought to you by manscape.com check out manscape.com and the new lawnmower 3.0 and weed whacker uh, and don't forget to use promo code habsforum to get 20 percent off your purchase and get free shipping very exciting stuff
0: all right, so let's get right into it, which is something a lot less exciting, which is that Edmonton Oilers game. I don't think we're gonna talk about it too much because, like I said, like look, get, getting ready for the podcast, I was like, I barely remember this game. I, I just remember <laughs> well, in our group chat we have during games texting boring a few times because how bored I was watching <laughs> that
1: game. <laughs> what a boring game! So, well, it was uh, it was last Wednesday. So I mean, it you know it was uh, you know it's about a week ago, of course yeah. the game, but I mean. You know, we, we did the podcast the night before the night before that game, right after the Toronto game obviously we weren't in the best mood because I mean, you know, it, it wasn't that they, they didn't play very good against Toronto, no, obviously not, not the response, not the, not the game we were hoping to see from them, especially after playing uh, less than stellar against Ottawa. And, you know, the, the, the topic of that podcast was okay. They, they really got to come out tomorrow against Edmonton. It's a team we've beat in the, you know, we beat them. What? I think twice already this season, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even th- no twice. Yeah. I don't think e- three early, times, in the,
0: but- early in the year, uh, the, the, first game was Toronto next two games were a 5-1 win against Edmonton and a 3-1 win against Edmonton
1: you know they played two bad games against Ottawa the worst team probably in the NHL they didn't play good against Toronto a team that we really wanted you know it was was sort of a game where they wanted to prove themselves and you know okay they three stinkers basically in a row we figured okay they have to come out strong here they have to prove that you know it that that they are the team we thought they were but uh the complete opposite of that. I mean, what a terrible game. And, and like you said, I mean, what a boring
0: game. Yeah, and you look at the stats and you see 38 shots on goal from the Montreal Canadiens, which means Mike Smith had a 38-save shutout, which would make you think he had a monster game. But but he really didn't. Like, so many of the, the Canadian shots were just like f- floaters from the point just n- not uh, no high danger shots it, it I remember watching the game and feeling like the Canadians almost had no chances to score it's it's not like Mike Smith stood on his head here you know like he just did what he needed to do and the Canadians just just no pressure no sense of urgency but what made me kind of worried watching that game and and even with the 2-1 win against the Leafs you almost get the feeling, and this is something that you might see happen with the way that the 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 division is set up. You end up seeing the same teams a lot. Well, the Ottawa Senators played the trap against the Canadians, and we saw what it did. It kind of it worked well and it slowed down the team. And it seems to be the way to do it. And it almost seems like other teams have figured out how to play against this Montreal Canadiens team, and it's working and so far they haven't really adapted even though they won 2-1 in the next game against Toronto i mean the first two periods nothing happened and then they kind of showed up in the third finally uh, it's it, i mean i i'm curious to see these games coming up because it really seems like the book is out on the canadians early in the year these teams are already getting used to playing against us and it's i mean it's it's, it's not really looking too good lately
1: no that that's for sure i mean you know uh, obviously through uh, 10 11 games this season the canadians were the highest scoring team in the nhl i mean they were i think at four points over 4.7 goals a game at one point uh, i mean it looks like you know it looked like uh, they they were going to just keep scoring and and we're we're going to outgun everybody but obviously like you said i mean ottawa seemed to have have figured out how to beat the canadians or at least you know how to shut us down and and yeah, unfortunately it's kind of seems like maybe the book is out at this point, but you know, I mean, obviously the Canadians weren't going to score five goals a game the whole season that you're any, any, you know, we're, we're playing the same teams over and over again. There's obviously going to be, you're going to have to make adjustments. And, yeah, exactly. and honestly, I mean, you know, yeah. 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 I mean, obviously they have to, but uh, you know, it, it sucks. The Canadians aren't, are, are going, you know, essentially a whole week without playing. But uh, you know, I think maybe this break probably came at a really good time where you know they can make those adjustments.
0: It's kind of like actually J- J- Julian had some quotes about that where it's a double edged sword. It can be good, but it can be bad, right? Of course, you'd hope the team comes back fresh and they have they've had time to kind of make adjustments and to figure out what, what's been going wrong. But at the same time, you don't love seeing a week off. I mean, now like going in Saturday against against the Leafs. The Leafs have had a few games against Ottawa that they'll have – they won't be as fresh, but at the same time, they'll be kind of more ready to go, you would think. So I'm I'm very curious to see how the Canadians come out on on Saturday and, and how ready they are to go from, from the get-go. And it just seems that they were kind of uh, – something I saw on Twitter that I, I thought was interesting is – even though the Canadians were doing really, really well at the beginning of the year and they are playing hard, they are forechecking constantly and getting a lot of goals, playing aggressive, the one constant that was bad that needed to be improved that everyone agreed on was they kept getting penalties. I mean, part of me is kind of worried they've gotten away of their high-intensity way of playing because maybe they got scared to take penalties or, or I don't know what it is. I mean, part of it, I think, is the other teams shutting them down, but they just don't have that same kind of... Balls-to-the-wall intensity and whatever it takes, like, constant forecheck and constant pressure. I mean, there's a reason why this team got so many shorthanded goals at the beginning of the year, right? But it just hasn't been happening anymore. It's just been kind of watching the game happen and waiting, for, like, you know, not making it happen for yourself. Just letting the other team dictate the flow.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think that's a a good point for sure. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, may, maybe the two games against Ottawa, I mean, everyone was, was expecting the Canadians to just blow them out of the water. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, you know, even, even though they did win the second game, they really didn't deserve to win that game. But, you yeah. know, may, maybe that, you know, especially with a younger team, maybe that sort of hurt their confidence a little bit. I, I don't know if that maybe that's what it is. But yeah, it, it I, I don't I don't think they're necessarily not playing with the same intensity they did at the beginning of the season. But it's just. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Things things just don't seem to be clicking, or weren't clicking before the break. Well, but
0: they're, they're playing scared more is more what it is. It seems like it's like. But you made a good point. It's a very young team, and not only is it, is it a young team, it's a team who's. Core that we need to depend on. The number one center is Nick Suzuki. I mean, a big piece is also Kotkaniemi. I Yemi. Mean, Romanov uh, is 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 a pretty big piece on on this team at times too. He had games where he had some of the most ice time on the team as as a defenseman. These are young players that can get more affected by going into a slump than than the, the, than the veterans, right? Which is which is where these problems can come out. And just, it's just how is this team going to re- respond? to the adversity right because like you said they weren't going to dominate you know like they were against the canucks against every team all year and that's why the win against toronto the best my best favorite thing about that that win is it was a win on the back of the canadians two veterans i mean i mean just shea weber too but primarily Carey price who has to be the best player on this team most of the time And Brendan Gallagher, I mean, he scored the game winning goal and he had had an assist on the on the on the tying goal going into that game. My thought was, if this team is going to win, Brendan Gallagher is going to score. I was I was I was think I should have I should have said that to someone because now the only proof is in my brain. But but I, I just it's just one of those things, just like you see saw in the playoffs at times last year. Gallagher is the one that kind of picks this team up so you love seeing that from the veteran and what the hope now is when you see a guy like Gallagher step up and a guy like Price step up in that game and it wakes up the kids and they're ready to go for the next game.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, especially. It, I mean, that was such a big game. You know, again, coming off of those, uh, you know, the bad performances against Ottawa and then Toronto and then the atrocious effort against Edmonton. I mean, two after two periods. You know, it was one one nothing Toronto, and I was like, wow, okay, this is this is bad. You know, and once again, nothing, was happening. Out again. nothing exactly. was happening. Nothing.
0: happen. Like I honestly, I thought we were going to get shot out again. It didn't seem like they were going to score at, and it's not like the Leafs as good as that their firepower can be. Same as Edmonton, you know. It's not like they these are teams that are known for their defensive play.
1: No, that, that, that's true. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that that's a good point. I mean, so, that, well, I mean the whole division basically is is not the best defensively. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it, it, it is a little scary that they've that they've had so much trouble scoring the last couple of games. But uh, you know, I mean, hopefully they they were able to make the adjustments over this week and and you know and I mean especially coming into the next game against Toronto. I mean. The Canadians obviously are going to be rested. Hopefully, they're not too rusty. Toronto has played a couple—you know—quite a few games in a in a short period of time. So, hopefully, we can catch Toronto here. Because I mean, you know, this it's going to be a big game in the standings for sure. It's you know, if the Canadians want to stay in that running for first place. If they lose to Toronto, you know, they're going to be uh, I think about six or I think six points or maybe eight points back of uh, of that first spot. Well, so it, they're six
0: points back cool. right now. Uh, but uh, but Toronto is playing uh, Ottawa today, so
1: yeah.
0: Um, so so, so that's worth noting. But that, that that's the thing. Since the last game against Toronto, uh, Toronto now is three games against Ottawa. Basically, it's just back to back to back against Ottawa, and the first one being that hilarious six five collapse uh, where they were up five one, but they bounced back and won one two one the next game. But then, like as much as the Canadians could be rusty because they've been off for a week, I mean the Canadians uh, the Leafs have been playing just the senators so uh, the 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 canadians should be able to show up and play at a level that's much higher than what the leafs have been facing with the senators i'm really curious to see how they show up after one week off because i I hope they come out ready to go because it's it's a week seems like a long time in the middle of the season but it should still be fresh in their minds that they they were coming off some very poor play
1: oh yeah definitely i mean uh, you know, uh, obviously against, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough game against Toronto for sure. But, you know, like you said, hopefully they're not too rusty going into this game. It's going to be a really big game. But, I mean, I think maybe this the, the, the rest came at exactly the right time where they can hopefully make some adjustments. But, uh, yeah, it's, gonna, it's definitely going to be a tough game.
0: And now the, the big news for that uh, Leafs game before the game started was Thomas Tatar getting scratched, which... Was a bit of a confusing move for me. It, it just seemed so random, almost like Cla- Claude Julian just kind of took a dart, threw it at the board, had maybe five or six names, and it just happened happened to line a tatar. And then it's kind of unfortunate for him in one way that his line is the line that scored the two only goals for, <laughs> for the Canadians, and that's while he was sitting in the press box. But by all accounts, I mean, I think it's Ben Sherratt was quoted saying that you never would have known he was scratched. He was super excited for the team that they won. Like, he, he was kind of their best cheerleader after the game. So you love to hear that. You know, he, he had the, the, the positive attitude there. Uh, I, I can't I can't wait to see how he responds because I don't think he's going to be scratched again, obviously, uh, uh, against the Leafs. But, I mean, what, what, did, what did you think about that move? Like, it just seemed so random to scratch Tatar, honestly.
1: I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely a little... It was pretty unexpected, uh, for sure. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you know, I think we talked about it last week, that Tatar has really not been pulling his weight. You know, he got off to not a bad start. You I know, mean, I think he had three goals in, like, the the first couple of games, but, or two or three goals in the first couple of games. But, uh, I mean, he... he re- I mean, the whole line, really. Well, him and Dano, they really have not yeah. been doing a whole lot. And, you know, Dano... You know he 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 can he has a little bit more leash because obviously what he brings to the team defensively, but Tatar you know he's not a, a sh- I mean he's 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 very good defensively but he's that you know he's not his primary at what he brings to the Canadians is mostly his offense, so, and he obviously hasn't been holding up his uh, his his end of the bargain here. So you know there, especially after four really bad performances by the Canadians. I mean, you, yeah, like you said, he probably could have thrown a dart up there and anyone really almost deserved to, to sit out after uh, four bad performances. But, you know, Tatar, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll use this as motivation and turn it around and, and hopefully have a big game against Toronto.
0: Well, I mean, a point you made there about how Dano is, his spot is safer because he brings a more defensive play to, to and we've talked about how Dano's role um, to a, Maybe his dismay a little bit has to change on this team. has to become more of the defensive center, more of the shutdown line. So now that the Danu line is seen as being less expected to be the line that produces, as great and as consistent as Tatar Danu Gallagher has been for the last few years, now I'm kind of wondering, okay, well, given how they performed to start the year and how, how it's gone offensively for that line, does it still make sense to have who has been the, the top scorer on this team uh, since he joined the team in in, in Tatar, like uh, points wise, if I'm not mistaken, he's had the most points on the team since then. Does it still make sense for him to be on that line with Dano, with which is more of a shutdown line? I'd love to see him play because you don't want to separate Suzuki, uh, Anderson, and uh, and Roy, Obviously, I mean they they've been fantastic, but I mean I, I'm I'm personally getting sick of seeing Kakinami playing with just non goal scorers right like kid kanyemi has shown this year he ha- he has fantastic vision he still he still has work to do he, i mean as much as i can seem like a bit of a homer when it comes to cut kanyemi mean, i he definitely has some improvement to still to, me, to be made i mean his his release on this shot it seems like it, te- it takes him about 5 years to to get his shot off and and the defensemen just see it coming a, a mile away but he's made some great playmaking moves and then but if he's going to be passing the puck you know, to, to Lekinen or, or to, to Byron that we saw, I mean, he had, he has played with Toffoli and other players this year, but like last game that he was playing against not offensive guys, I mean, I'd like to see Tatar play with him, give, give the playmaker the score and give the score the playmaker instead of, of leaving Tatar with Dan Noah. Like at this point, I think it's time to maybe shuffle those lines a
1: little bit. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we, we, we talked about it at the beginning of the season that, you know, it, it would be a good idea to keep that line together just because the familiar yeah. f- familiarity. And obviously, I mean, there's so many new guys coming into the uh, coming into the team this season, especially with, with no training camp. Um, so it seemed like the right thing to do. But it, I mean, at this point, you know, all the other lines seem to be performing. And it's that line that's sort of, you know, it's dragging behind the others So it it might not be a bad idea. I mean, I you know at the beginning of the season when obviously the Canadians were scoring a bunch, it it wouldn't have been probably the best idea. But I mean, at this point with them struggling, they need a spark somewhere, and especially with the week off, you know you it, it, you have a, ch- a bit of a chance to to you know have a couple of practices with your new line mates if that's what Julien wants to do. So I think it probably makes sense. And I mean, Kukinemi, he he's obviously done very well with uh, with Defoli and Armia when he was in the lineup. Uh, man, I'd love to see him with, you know, maybe with Gallagher, or Tatar, and see what yeah. they can do.
0: Yeah, and, and it's just maybe then it'll even spark Dan O to get a few a few new uh, line line mates to, to go along with him, right? Because it it just ha- really hasn't been working that much as much as they they were the the Dan o and Gallagher kind of paired up for, uh, for 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 the win there at the end. That was the line that got the two one win for the Canadians. Is just, I mean, I think it's time to shuffle the lines a little bit to to, to get things going. At. I'll be curious to see if we start the game with the same lines uh, uh, against Toronto because it's been a, a few, a, few uh, a week off. But if they do, I would think he is ready to to shuffle it very very uh, quickly. Uh, and the the other the, the the main though positive I took from that game is I really, really liked Mete's play uh, against against Toronto. And the first few games when he came back, it was very, very, very obvious that he was trying to do too much. He was all over the ice and just kind of playing like a chicken with his head cut off, you know? (laughs) He's just skating everywhere, trying to do too much, and not playing his game like he should. But I thought he had a really strong performance in, in that Saturday game against Toronto. And as much as I didn't want to keep seeing him as like the first line left left D uh, next to Weber, seeing his transition game and his speed on more of a bottom pairing for the Canadian, I really do like seeing that. And I I'm starting to think it would make sense to have him in the little lineup a little bit more often because that's definitely a weak spot on this defense. Because it's it's, it's, it's Sherratt, Weber, Edmondson. I mean, they can be solid in their own ways, but they're not the quickest players. They don't have the quickest uh, tra- transition game, right? Romanov is probably the the quickest defenseman outside of Mete, who's been kind of a, a regular on the team. I, I do like seeing more speed and transition from the defense. That's how you create offense in the modern NHL. So getting Mete in the lineup a bit more often, I think, might not be a bad thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mete is, is absolutely the perfect 5-6-7 defenseman. And honestly, if the Canadians wanted to trade Mete, there would be uh, you know, a line of teams lining up to, to you know, to trade for him because he he's perfect. He's he makes the minimum or very close to the minimum. He's making, I think, yeah. like seven hundred and thirty five thousand. So it he's making next to nothing, which obviously helps with the Canadians cap situation. He like you said, he's he's sort of like the new age defenseman. Obviously, he's a guy that can get pushed around a lot. But I think when you're playing team and especially with like you said, I mean, the Canadians are not the most mobile defenseman with, you know, Sherrod, Weber, uh, Edmondson, obviously not the most mobile bunch. But when you're playing a team like Toronto or Edmonton. I mean, I think he's the perfect guy, Yeah. especially if the Canadians are having trouble scoring, like they have the last couple of games. I mean, I think, you know, Mete, his first pass, he's he's very good with the passes outside, uh, out of the zone. He, very underappreciated. And, you know, that's exactly what you want from a seventh defenseman. He can play on both sides. He's comfortable on the left. Well, he, he is a left-handed defenseman, so obviously he's comfortable on the left. But he might even be at, even better on the right. So, I mean, it's yes, I think... I mean, honestly, Kulak is kind of, you know, the kind of the guy that takes the spot They're Obviously they're not the same type of player, but there's not that much of a difference between the two of them. I mean, I think, you know, again, Mete should be playing probably when they're playing faster teams like Toronto or, or Edmonton. And then, you know, when you're playing other teams out West, like, you know, Van, Vancouver, Calgary, you know, maybe you put in Kulak, but I think you want to keep a steady rotation there between Kulak, Mete, and even Romanov. I mean, you know, he got off to a great start. I but- mean, I'm, I, you
0: know, I'm not sure if we shouldn't be talking about maybe because like like Edmondson hasn't been bad or anything like that, but he has his moments sometimes where he looks a bit uh, rough with the the speedy. I had had some bad turnovers. I mean, I wouldn't be against having a game where it's even he he sits uh, and and because having that extra transition on the, on the team and Kulak is quicker than than uh, Edmondson. I like I, I think we, we were too quick to kind of slot Edmondson as a top four defenseman on this team. Ideally he, he Edmondson is a five, six, seven also on on a good team. I mean, we want to get to the point where Romanov obviously takes up, takes over as a top four. I mean he's still very young. But just I really like what Mete brought to the table and I I I part of me just kind of wants to keep him in the lineup just not take him out. Uh, it's just having that extra transition game. He's such a smooth skater, and not having to have him play like big minutes. More like you know, I'm, I still would want him to be on on a lower pair when he's playing. But I just like having him on the ice, and he steps on, and then you just see him skate the puck out really quick, and it just it's just, just such a quick kind of change of pace coming from the defense versus having the slower. Breakout, it can it can catch the other teams uh, off guard, right? So, I'd like to see him play more consistently, honestly. And whether it's Kulak or even like I said, Edmondson that's sitting for a game, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not against it at all.
1: Yeah, that that might not be the worst. idea. yeah, I, I mean, I think Edmondson gets more hate than he deserves. And the thing is, you know, obviously he's not the sexiest defenseman. But and the thing, and, and a lot of the times when he is playing bad, he plays really bad. And it's really yeah. obvious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and a lot of the time, it is against those faster teams. You know, the the times he struggled the most really has been against uh, Toronto and against Edmonton. He wasn't very good either. You know, because of you know he he was getting beat a lot to the outside by edmonton speed so yeah that might not be a bad idea and then if you take edmonton out i mean you know you could either play Mete or kulak with petrie and i mean basically Mete and and kulak's best moments with the canadians have both been with jeff petrie jeff petrie basically looks makes everybody look good so exactly you know, I'm pretty sure you could play beside Jeff Petrie, and you you wouldn't look too bad. So, I don't I don't quite
0: have the same skating ability as Victor Mete, but I do agree we're pretty uh, pretty close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as far as him getting traded, Bergeron in his press conference. He was straight to the point. He has no intention whatsoever in moving him, and he more or less said he d- does not care what his agent has to say and he's never let an agent dictate how he makes moves for his team. So uh I, I think he feels the same way. I mean he's not he's not an idiot. Like he also understands the value of someone with Mete's cap hit and and like what he can bring to the table as a five, six, seven defenseman. The, like we talked about when the, the 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 rumors first came out that he asked for a trade. There's no situation where it makes sense for Mete to be moving. I don't think he's going anywhere.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, okay, Victor Mete does, I mean, he has no power in this situation. Right? Exactly. We're not talking about like Patrick Line here who can, you know, say, exactly. that, say he wants out and gets, and gets traded. Or he's not, a, you know, he's not a veteran either who, you know, who, who Bergevin might listen to. Victor Mete has no power <laughs> in this situation exactly. whatsoever. So Bergevin wants to keep him. He's going
0: to keep him. And here's the thing, too. I'm not mad at him being unhappy about not playing. I'm totally fine with that. I, I'm happy he's unhappy about not playing. He should want to play as long as he doesn't mope around when he comes and he, in the lineup and he does play, and he didn't. I mean, like we talked about, he was try, maybe trying to do too much when he did play at first, but I think as long as he has more of a consistent rotation on, on, into the, into games, I don't think we're going to see that as much anymore. And. He came to play. He he was ready to go, and he, he you see some players sometimes if they're not happy with how they're being used, they they feel like they're better and they should be you know like not sitting in the press box. They they don't show up to play. They they show up and they're moping around and they have a shift like Pierre Dubois had in Columbus that made the rounds on Twitter, you know. But that's not what Mete did. So, hey, be mad about not playing. Just as long as you show up to play, I'm perfectly fine with that. And that's what we saw from Mete. So there's no reason to not play him or to or to, or, or to talk about moving him. He's, he's still playing as, as hard as he can.
1: Exactly, and he's going to get his opportunities if he wants. You know, it's up to him to prove that he does he deserves to be in the lineup. Because if if he does play well, you know, if he plays better than Kulak and better than Edmondson, then you know he's he's going to play. I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I don't think the is just going to keep him out. Uh, you know, just for shits and giggles. If he deserves to play, he's going to play. And then after the game, the big news was Byron being put on waivers.
0: Now, I've always been a huge Byron fan, but I mean. Everyone who's been watching the the Canadians for the last couple of years knows that Byron hasn't been the same. Unfortunately, it really seems to have started since uh, that unfortunate fight where he got a concussion, and it's kind of been all downhill from there. He's just not the same player he used to be, and he ha- also happens to have a you know fr- fairly substantial cap at, at I think it's 3.5 million for uh, uh, yeah, a fourth 3.4. line player. three point four. Yeah, not not that yeah. shocking, not that shocking. And like you said it right away in our in our, in our group chat. And I mean, I was seeing articles of playing, people saying that Byron is still a good player, some teams should pick him up. And I was like, I don't think anyone's gonna pick him up with that cap hit. And to no one's surprise, yeah. uh, to, I at least not to to our not surprise, he did not
1: get picked up, and now he's on the taxi squad. So it is what it is. Yeah, no, I. Re- no, I remember when he signed that contract. We talked about it on the podcast, and I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't really like this deal." And you loved it. So I don't know if you remember that, but oh uh, uh, yeah, but like I, was...
0: I loved it before <laughs> he got into a fight and got a concussion. Okay, he, he if Byron was still the player he used to be, I, I don't think would, the the contract would be as much of an issue. And at the end of the day, it, it's
1: it's not. It's not a it, huge.
0: Exactly. It's not like a crazy amount to like like it was a 3.4. And now now that he's buried in the on the taxi squad, we're still uh, saving. So now his cap hit on, on cap friendly it's 2.325. So basically that that's what his cap is because he's buried. So it's not ideal, obviously, uh, to, to to have him at, at that amount. And he's still a serviceable player. He's still able to play. Uh, but the team just has more depth and he just doesn't have the same speed and everything it's just it's really unfortunate cuz when he was playing at the top of his game he was he transformed the team when he was on the ice you know creating turnovers breakaways every single game seemingly but it just hasn't been the same since those injuries
1: no exactly it's unfortunate it's, i mean he he's been you know since he's been with the canadians essentially i mean he's he's been a fan favorite he's been one of my favorite players on the canadians you know he always works it works hard he always gives it 110 percent. i mean that that speed i mean all the shorthanded goals shorthanded breakaways that he scored on you know but yeah unfortunately and, and he, i don't know i i kind of saw flashes at the beginning of the season that gave me hope but yeah, I don't know. It it just hasn't been happening for him. I mean, he not not that he's been that bad, but yeah, he he seems to have maybe lost a step. And and like you said, and unfortunately, unfortunately, hasn't been really the same since he since he had that concussion, that ridiculously stupid fight with Mackenzie Weger. A couple that,
0: of years ago. I mean, that that was so frustrating when it happened, and, and you saw it right away that he 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 got hurt really bad from that uh, fight. But the the thing is, at this point though, as much as he's not the same as he used to be, like I said, he's still a very good player. It's just one of those situations where the contract is what's kind of hurting because the Canadians can save like oh, a bit over a million by by putting him on the taxi squad, and it's just they're so close to the cap. Like if the Canadians were a team like last year, where they had $10 million in cap space, I don't think Paul Byron would have been sent to the taxi squad. Cause he's still a good fourth line player. De- definitely. Like a, he's a luxury to have on the fourth line, even still, even though he slowed down, but with that cap hit, it's a bit harder. That's that. That's the thing. You know, he's he might be a little frustrated. That I mean, he probably maybe he's thinking if he didn't have this contract, he'd be playing instead of sitting in the press box. Um, it is what it is. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still got a spot on the Canadians. Like he's not going anywhere. He's not going to be sent down to Laval. You know, no. he he's going to play. He's going to be called back up. I'm sure on you know on Saturday before the game. Um, you know, so I don't think he's going to be on the taxi squad for very long. He he's still going to play you know, maybe not necessarily every game for the Canadians, but he is going to be in a lineup on a regular basis. And Uh, now that he's cleared
0: waivers, it's much more flexible. You can kind of move him up and down as much as you want.
1: Exactly. Uh, Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, and he's a good guy to have. You know, he can play a little bit higher in the lineup if if there are some injuries. So for you sure, know, for I sure. mean that's that's been the story of the Canadians. I mean, they have a lot of depth, so they're going to have to make moves like this. And you know, he he's definitely not done with the Canadians. He's he, he's going to play his fair share of games. But
0: uh, I mean, you could still see a trade happening now because the thing is now that because this is what happened with, uh, with uh, Alex Galchenyuk, right? No one picked him up off waivers, but once he cleared waivers a trade happen because it's a lot easier to trade a player that's already gone through waivers because it was an AHL trade instead of being an NHL trade and, and things like that. So there is that extra flexibility. So you might still see him get, get moved now Now that it's happened. But uh, like you said, he still has the the, the spot on the team. Uh, but uh, the, the, the what's interesting, though, is he is an assistant and, uh, on this team. And I, I do believe you had a question from Twitter about that.
1: Oh, yes, yes, we did get a question here. Uh, Probably should have had that ready. Give me a second here to pull it up. Uh, So, yeah, so our question comes from Kevin Rogers at K.A. Rogers 77. With Byron on the taxi squad, do you give the A from his jersey to another player? My vote would be for Petrie if we do, uh, or if they do. And then uh, Clarky at cmc 732 Clarky on Twitter uh, said Dano or Lekkinen would be good options as well. Um, so, I mean, first of all, you know, he's still with the team. Um, yeah. so I, I, he, they're not just going to take the A off his jersey. Yeah, exactly. You
0: know, and here's the thing. Be he's trade, been he injured in the trade. past and other players have had an, an, A on their jersey when he's been injured. Like the team hasn't played games with just one assistant captain. I know you were arguing this with me before we started the podcast, but I Googled Jeff Petrie assistant and there's plenty of pictures of Jeff Petrie wearing the A Online, he's already had the A on his jersey in the past, and he will again if there's games where Byron is sitting out. And Jeff Petrie's the he's the only logical choice here. It, it, it has to be Jeff Petrie gets the A. I mean, Dano, no way. I disagree with that completely. With everything that happened in the off season, with the whole contract dispute and all that, he's not getting an A on his jersey. And uh, maybe. I mean, that's kind of an interesting one. I don't know if a lot of fans would agree with the Lekkenen call, but that's an interesting one. Petrie's the, the most logical one though.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Petrie definitely makes the most sense uh, by far. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> I'd love to see Twitter or, like, no, exactly, H hey.
0: media if that happened. <laughs> and we love in on the <laughs> podcast. And you think he, oh, we think yeah. he brings a lot to the team. Uh, and the thing is, you never know how good of a leader, truly, they are in the locker room, you know? So so no no one really knows, like, exact, maybe Lekinan is a great leader in the locker room. I don't know, but it starts and ends the conversation with Jeff Petrie. It just, yeah. it, there's no one else that really comes close uh, as far as deserving the letter on the Jersey it, it, when Byron is out, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, like you said, we don't really know what's going on in the dressing room, but Lekkanen kind of strikes me as like a really quiet type. I yeah. mean, Who knows? Maybe not, but uh, yeah, Dan, o, I mean, it, you know, before the season, I would have said yes, but like with the way things are going and is he going to stay? It, and like, yeah, do we want to add more pressure on Dan O's shoulder? I don't think You know, do. that's something I'd like to talk about is, okay, because, uh, uh, I mean, Tatar and Dino are in the same boat here. Do you, and uh, I mean, I feel like a lot of talk is about, okay, they're in a contract year and just the pressure is too much. How much impact do you think that really has? Well, like, I've never been in a situation, obviously, where I could potentially make millions and millions of dollars if I do a good job. Well, I, I don't know I can't see that like being that big of a, of a distraction like are you really thinking about that when you're on the ice I don't know if the distraction for Dano is as
0: much the contract uh, as it is like I, I definitely don't think that that's the situation for Tatar I, I don't think it's uh, I think it's more just it hasn't been clicking for him and and maybe he needs to be shuffled around in, in the lineup and as far as Dano I think even more so than the contract situation it might be the idea that he's seeing the kids coming up and replacing him and he kind of maybe doesn't like that his role is changing and it's making him maybe want to do more than what he should. He's not playing his game as much as he should. And I do think on some level it can affect how how players play. I just think it affects everyone differently. I mean, we've seen it time and time again in every sport, not even just in hockey, where players have the best year of their careers, the year of their contract year, right? Because they, they, I guess they just step it up because they want to get that contract. I mean, that can't just be a coincidence. You know, it's happened a lot. Some other players, maybe it's the, the pressure. The pressure gets them, and it's a bit too much. I mean, I mean, look at Dwayne, for example. In in a way, the uh, pressure affected him because too much was expected of him after signing the contract. So that's a, that's a, that's a different kind of situation. But those types of things can definitely affect how you play on the ice. And you yeah, know, with players that, that try to do too much, basically, you know. So I do think it can affect him in some, some sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean maybe you're right and yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that's what le, le, kind of like what you said. I don't think that's the situation with Tatar. I don't think it's the situation with Dano either. I think you're probably right about maybe he's seeing the kids come up and he's scared of uh, kind of of losing his spot. So I, I think that has more to do with it, but no, I, I don't buy into this whole—you uh, know—he's in a contract year and he's—that's yeah, all he's thinking about. No, I, I don't know. I think that's a little ridiculous, but well, I
0: think it might be ridiculous at the big for the first ten, fifteen games of the year. As the season pro- progresses, though, if he doesn't start putting more points on the board, I think that then it might start affecting him because then he's going to start and realize. Oops, maybe I should have said yes. Yes to that five million dollar offer by Mark Bergeron. Because today, would you offer Daniel five million dollars
1: for however many years? That's a good question. That's a good. Definitely not more than five. Um, it depends on how long. It would be tough.
0: Like, see, like I don't think I would, especially considering the Canadians' cap situation.
1: <sighs> a couple of weeks ago, I, I would have said absolutely. Like, I would have thought that would be a steal. But right now, I don't know. I can't say yes or no. And it's just,
0: look, obviously it would have hurt the Canadians to lose Dano, but I don't think it was. It would have hurt as much as we used to think it would hurt because we're seeing people progress like they're progressing. And, and like, both Kudkenyemi and Suzuki are progressing more and more as being, like, more Complete, like, two-way centers. You know, like, Suzuki has already proven that he can play on the PK, and Kakuyami has been getting better and better on his play, kind of away from the puck and all that. A guy, so now you're talking about in the long run, it's really truly a third-line center you need in that spot. You can get some very good third-line centers through free agency, through trades, for for cheaper than five million a year that'll get they'll do it because what you really need from that spot oftentimes just great face-off guy shut down guy and, and things like that you don't need to pay that premium for the for, for the for the point producing if that's not what you're looking from him and he's not even producing like right now anyway like i'm i'm, I'm, cur- I'm really curious to see what kind of contract that is was going to end up signing because I, I don't know if it's going to be five million i really don't know
1: yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's you know still a long ways to go here in the season, but it just it seems like every game he's just costing himself yeah. more and more money. Really, uh, I mean, look, so,
0: look at yeah, Tyler Toffoli, four point two
1: five. In in what world does Deno deserve
0: more than Toffoli? To I, mean, I, mean, I,
1: I guess Toffoli probably deserves more than that, though. I
0: mean, <laughs> but yeah, that's what he. But here's the thing: Toffoli signed his contract, but here does he, or is that just a type of contracts? that are realistic considering the reality of the whole COVID and the flat cap and all that stuff. That's why a lot of players got different kind of contracts in free agencies and next free agency is not going to be any different. I mean, look at, look, look at Taylor Hall. He, he had to sign that one year contract because he probably wasn't getting what he wanted because teams just don't have the cap space. I don't know if there's that many teams that will be able to give Deno unless he's willing to go to a team like an Ottawa who just has a bunch of cap space and nothing to do with it because they're terrible and he'd rather get the paycheck than have a chance to win right away, then maybe he can get a bit more money. But competitive teams just don't have the cap space to give a guy like Dano that type of money.
1: No, it's true. Yeah, I mean, the the, the whole COVID situation obviously makes things a lot more complicated. And, you know, it's not, it obviously wasn't just this season. It's not going to be just probably next season either. You know, it, it might be a lasting effect for a couple of seasons. Oh, for sure for sure. Uh, it's it's going to be yeah, I mean obviously yeah, that makes his situation a lot more complicated. It's it's really going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh the move on to the other French Canadian
0: on the team, now, Drouin. I think Drouin has had fantastic years so far. I mean obviously up and down games and all that. You'd go on Twitter and he still gets so much hate, and I honestly don't understand it. And I've been one to criticize Duboy on this podcast, and I I still don't know if I like that Duboy Serkachev trade. I mean, I mean, it helps now having Romanov step in the on, like in the lineup and playing so well that you kind of have that replacement for, but this year. Duguid has been fantastic, and that line has been great. And now he he's saying all the right things in uh, like in interviews about how they, they want to be the best line, uh, and, like one of the best lines in the NHL. He's trying to like w- watch tape of like the Bergeron line. He was saying to kind of mimic them and all that. And I just it seems like some people just for some reason just hate him no matter what. And nothing he does is like he'll have a great game, some great breakout passes, some great playmaking. And you go on Twitter and people complaining that he had a terrible game, he was invisible. Like, are people just not watching the games? I don't understand.
1: No, I know I I don't understand it either. I mean, he is uh, obviously he's not really scoring goals. I think he only has one goal this season. Uh, but I mean he's getting the assists, he's playing well. Um, you know, he's 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 working, you know, he's working hard. I mean, you know, he's, he's, I would say he's, he's even improved his defensive game. So his playmaking this year has been amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's always been his game. He's been more of a playmaker than a scorer. So, I mean, I don't think it's too much of a surprise that he's putting up a lot more assists and goals, Um, you know, especially playing with, you know, a guy like Josh Anderson, he's obviously carrying the, the goal load on that line, but I mean, they've been for the most part in most games, the Canadians best line, so no, I I don't quite understand it, and, and I I feel like it's not just Habs Twitter either. So I mean Habs Twitter, you know, for whatever reason they'll they'll find a guy to hate, and you know yeah. it's kind of like Lekanen. A lot of people hate Lekanen. A lot of people realize how good he is, but you know it's 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 pretty. He's he's kind of polarizing on 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 Twitter. Uh, but yeah, it seems like everybody hates Touwain. But even in the media too, like the French media, I feel like they give him a hard time too. Like the that he's not producing enough or that, you know, he's not up to their expectations, which I find kind of funny because it seems like, you know, obviously you have the two, uh, you have the two French Canadians on the team. You have Dano and the Dano, I feel like he gets this huge leash that like yeah. he's having a bad season, but everybody's like, ah, oh, you know, all the, all the French media is like, ah, oh, you know, he's playing great defensively and, and he brings so much more to the team. And you have the who's having a great season. It was really he was he was playing probably his best hockey he's had ever with the with the Montreal Canadiens and for whatever reason you know he's even being shit on by the media so no I I I don't understand I I really don't understand I mean it's it
0: just I think to this point it's just people that have argued in the past that he's terrible don't want to be wrong. So they are convincing themselves that he's still terrible. Like, I get that maybe you'd like to have him have a bit more goals and all that, but... His game is playmaking, and the line has been the best line on the team. And it just just watch the games; he's he's been he's been great out there. And it, it's it's clear that in the, in previous seasons the situations wasn't ideal for him, where too much was put on his shoulders. And it's helping him a lot that there's other people around him that the focus is on. Right? People are focused on Anderson, on Suzuki, you know, Tofoley having a great year. It's it, it's not all on on Duane, right? So, which is definitely helping his game, but just. It's like people want him to fail. It's like people complain that he's not good, enough, but then they want him to do better, but you said he's not good. So why do you expect him to do better if you you don't think he's a good hockey player? Like he's doing, and it's not like he gets paid $10 million a year. He's producing at a fair level for the contract he has. I don't know what else they want from him.
1: I think maybe maybe another, another part of it is, you know, in years past, when the Canadians have had not, you know, in a, a lesser team where Drouin was basically the most skilled player on the team. You know, he he maybe was trying to do more and probably more than he should have been. Mm. And you know, he where he was playing more more of a flashy, flashy. Um, you know, he was getting those first nine minutes. He was he was the most skilled player on his line. He was making all these flashy plays. This year, he's not necessarily the most talented player on the on on the team, and and probably not even on his line. You know, he's he's playing more within his His abilities, I guess you could say, he's not trying to do too much. He's he's doing what he needs to do at both ends of the ice, I would say. So uh, maybe maybe that that plays into it, too. I guess he's not as flashy as we've seen, but he's, he's definitely more effective. Yeah. And, and there's always the the French thing, right? It's
0: like it's why French players often don't want to come to Montreal. There's that extra level of pressure, like on, on both sides. English media just kind of feels like French players get are too much of a focus, and then French media expect every French player to, that comes here to be the next Guinard or Rocket Richard, you know. And it's like, okay, let's, let's calm down, okay. Like that's not the the, the 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 expectations you can have of someone. But I mean, I I I've been perfectly happy with his his game. so so far this year and i love hearing that like just that line overall has been so good and i love hearing that what he says about wanting to be one of the best lines in the league and he's really focused on the success of the line he's not focused on his own personal success and i mean he's saying all the right things that just i mean i don't know i guess we're just agreeing here he's just there's there's nothing bad to say for for his season so far he's been one of the bright spots
1: no, exactly. Well, I mean, I think there's been a lot of bright spots, but yeah. I mean, he's definitely been one of them. You know, he's, uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know how people are focusing on him as a bad player. I mean, I think there's there's worse players on the Canadiens so far, this, or worse performances on the Canadiens so far this season. And the assists, too. It's like,
0: I feel like he's had, like, it's not like it's just he's getting lucky, rebound, like he shoots and the player gets a rebound, or a secondary assist. He's sent like four or five guys on breakaways this year so far. Like beautiful, like split the defense, send the guy on the breakaway passes. He's done that a lot this year, and not all of them have, have resulted into goals. It's just I really think sometimes some people just don't watch the games. They just they watch the scoreline. They they they're they're like they have the game on, but they're staring at their phone, complaining on Twitter the whole time, not actually watching the game. And, and, and then they just spew nonsense, and they just kind of repeat what they always repeat, you know, yeah, yeah, whatever, maybe we should just get off Twitter, <laughs>
1: yeah, well, yeah, I guess I don't know where we're gonna post our episodes, but that's uh, a good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
0: so, so then, I mean, I, I guess uh, now we should, like we did last week, we talked about. I mean, we we did some predictions last week. It, it's it's more or less what I don't remember exactly. We probably write down what the predictions are, but but more or less, we, we neither of us thought they were going to win both games. I don't think, but uh, they they came out with one win. It's pretty much what we thought was going on. But now, the three games coming up before our, our next episode: Toronto on Saturday, of course, and then Sunday, so back to back games in Ottawa, and then in Ottawa again on Tuesday. Now, I have a hard time making a prediction for Toronto because they've been off for a week. Who knows how they're going to react? I hope they come out strong, but I feel like Toronto is also going to come out strong with how the game ended, so it, it could go either way. and I, I, I could see this being like a high-scoring overtime game. Those two Ottawa games, though, those have to be massacres both of them, and I'll take nothing less. They better uh-huh. win
1: both those games absolutely they have to win those two games against ottawa i mean they they you know they have to show that you know again they're they're the team that that we thought they were at the beginning of the season especially against ottawa i mean come on ottawa is really not that good they're terrible you know despite the comeback against toronto and (laughs) but i mean yeah i mean the the game against toronto i like i feel it's such a hard game to predict like i could see the canadians winning five nothing i could see them losing five nothing i could you know, it'd be a tight game. I think it's going to be a tight game at the end of the, at the end of the day. It's probably going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I'm going to say the Canadians win four to three. See, I, I agree with that
0: scoreline. Exactly. And here's the thing, Carrie price for some reason, and the stats back it up is incredible on Saturdays. Like, I don't know what it is, but he really likes playing on Saturdays. It's, it's actually insane. His numbers, if he was only ever looked at for his Saturday numbers, he'd be considered one of the best goaltenders of all time. So I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe his wife makes him a special uh, pregame lunch on Saturdays that he doesn't get the rest of the week and it just makes him perform better. But uh, he almost never has a bad games on Saturdays. So I think he's going to have a, a good game, but still the league. So they they still might get two, three goals on him. So yeah, 4-3 four, a four, sounds, sounds good to me too wow that's like so you're just gonna copy what I said yeah for for the leaves game I will <laughs> I mean what were we supposed to just argue I, I said I, I thought it was gonna be a closed game for uh, like overtime game but I mean fine right, you know so, what I, I say they'll lose they'll lose I still think price has a good game but they're gonna lose three to two then fine so so we're different but I get to say that they're gonna the destroy I, I think they're gonna win both auto games I think they're gonna win them both handily like I don't know about predicting an exact score but like four five
1: one both games yeah i'm gonna say they, they're gonna win both games five to one just like the rocket beat uh beat their farm team Be- the uh belleville senators five one their first two games I, th- I think the canadians are gonna win five one both games all right well then that's the predictions and you just talked
0: about the rocket so let's just keep going with the rocket rocket season finally started and uh, I mean, started strong with those two first games. I mean, uh, for 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 people that don't follow the uh, the AHL too too closely, are, are are is the Belleville team supposed to be a solid team, or was that just the Laval beating up on a on a bad team?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, they, they got some talent, but I mean, they they definitely lost a lot of players that that maybe they were expecting to have in the lineup yeah. to Ottawa. Um, you know, like guys like Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, um, you know, so some some pretty solid players. Uh, Eric Brandstrom as well. Uh, I, no, they're not a very they're not that good of a team. Um, I wasn't expe- to be if I'm being honest, I wasn't really expecting Laval to be a great team either. Um, you know, they had a lot of young players. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the, so they played three games, here games, Belleville uh, in well, not in Laval. They're actually playing at the Bell Center. But uh, So they won the first two games on Friday and Saturday, 5-1. to one, And then the third game, they lost 4-1. to one. Uh, They basically played eight periods of great hockey and then were awful in the third period of the third game. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that's going to happen. I mean, they have so many young guys coming in. You know, they have Jesse Alonen, And actually, a lot of the young guys have been absolutely fantastic so far. Jesse Alonen has been one of the... Best players, I would say. Jan Maisak, second rounder from this year, has been great as well. Uh, well, he he only played in the third game, but he was fantastic. I thought. Uh, same thing with Arsen Kiselevniov, who was a sixth round, uh, I believe, a sixth rounder in uh, 2018. He looked pretty good. He only played his first game, uh, on the third night as well. But uh, no, I mean, they, they look pretty good. You know, I mean, they obviously got off to a great start. Caden Primo looked really good in the first game. It Didn't Michael uh, Harvey
0: game. Pinar had some solid games too? Isn't he like a bit of a surprise?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, yeah, I forgot to mention him. Uh, Rafael Harvey Pinal, seventh rounder in, I believe, 2019. Uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic. He's playing actually on the first line or played a lot on the first line. So he's looking absolutely fantastic as well uh Paling I thought bounced back pretty good. He played pretty good in the third game, especially in the you know I mean they, they didn't play play very good in the third period, but he had his chances in the third period when the game was tied, he almost uh, almost scored to uh, to put the Rocket ahead, but uh no, I mean they're they're looking really good. Uh, Leek played his first game, the first AHL game, believe it or not in his career after playing I think 800 and some games in the <laughs> NHL uh you know he he didn't look he looked a little rusty at the beginning but uh, in the third period i thought he played pretty good as well but uh no i mean a lot of positives for the rocket i mean you love to see the young guys playing really really well uh you know unfortunately they had a bad third period but i mean this is this is going to be a really good team And, and man if they continue playing like this like honestly on paper they don't have that great of a team but if they keep playing as hard as they have you know at the beginning of the season man i don't Joël Bouchard is going to be in demand across the NHL, I think, next season. I mean, that's uh, that, that's high praise. I would hate to to lose Joël Bouchard. He's been a such a good,
0: uh, such a positive change uh, for the team. I mean, honestly, I would hope that they give him an opportunity, even if it's just as an assistant in the NHL, before they lose him for nothing. Or, I mean, eventually, Jardine's time is going to come to an end too, right? I mean, coaches only last so long with the team. So, yeah, I'd hate to lose him. yeah. Because you always hate it when the the, the team kind of, brings up the those coaches uh, through the ranks and then they end up just playing with the uh, coaching for, for for another team i mean it's great to hear that and it's great to just have them playing too right because i mean if injuries happen i mean you we know, don't we have the taxi squad but you might have to do some call-ups and you don't want to have to call up someone who hasn't played in months you know like for, for league was it great for him to get some games in I'm, i wonder if we get if we see him uh, in the lineup uh, anytime soon because you, you want to give him some games i mean not even just to punish someone else but just to have him play a game in the NHL so he's ready to go in case we do need him, you know?
1: Yeah, you would think he probably will. Um, you know, it's, I, I mean, I think maybe that's why he went down to Laval to play a game, you know, get some of the rust off. And, and you know, I, I mean, uh, he's a guy that can definitely play some, some decent fourth line minutes. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see him in the lineup at some point. All right. I mean, that's good stuff. I mean, it's too bad that we can't go see the Rocket games because we we do
0: love to 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 go to uh to Rocket games, and of course it's gonna be the year that we can't go that the they're gonna end up playing well and having having a good team. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's nice to see that we're seeing players that weren't necessarily expected to do much doing well. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of uh, uh Harvey Pinal. I mean, he it sounds like he's doing really really well, and you just love those stories, right? Those uh, he, he's a local guy, which you love seeing, especially in the minor leagues. You know, like as much as I get annoyed with the focus on local guys uh, when it comes to to the NHL level, when it comes to, to the, the minor leagues, I mean, it's, why not? Let's let's have some some local guys playing there. Seventh round pick, and he comes in and is playing so well, getting his opportunity, and 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 playing like as hard as he can. I mean, I just I just I you just love uh, love seeing that. So hopefully, uh, it it keeps up. Do you have predictions to give for the rest of the Rocket season since we just did predictions? <laughs> for the rest of the Rocket season? Uh, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, are you shocked by the Like, do you think that it's just a couple of games or do you think this is
1: actually the Rocket team that we're going to see this year? Uh, I mean, I think they just play, they work so hard for Joel Bouchard that they're going to be a competitive team. Uh, you know, even if they don't necessarily have the most talent on paper, uh you know they're a very young team definitely not the most skilled team but i mean j- the way that they play they're they're going to be in it every single night and yeah i mean I, they're going to be a competitive team you know um i I think they're gonna have a good season and you know at the end of the day I mean, especially this season it's such a weird season yeah especially in the ahl i mean who knows how this is gonna play out there's one team that hasn't even played yet so it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird but you know at the end of the day you just want those kids getting experience and, and 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 hopefully getting one step closer to the canadians
0: all right good stuff so i think that does it for uh this week's episode uh, we'll be back uh, about a, about a, about a week from now, uh, probably on Wednesday after the few uh, uh, the couple Ottawa games. As always, follow us on Twitter at the Haves forum to send us uh, uh, your questions, uh, comments uh, on uh, the lineup changes and anything uh, you might think of and uh, yeah, as always, thank you for uh, listening and we'll talk to you next week.